With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another amazing episode of AGP. As always, I am your host. I am Amanda Gillum, also known to the gaming community as Lady Vader 79. And as always, we need to take a moment to thank our sponsors because without them, AGP would not be here for you to enjoy. So, of course, we're going to start off with say thank you to our wonderful people in Sean Forney Illustration and their independent comic, Scarlet Huntress. To the UVN, the Underground Video Network, and their live podcast, which is on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on TalkShoe.com. The, uh, the wonderful people, like I said, of UVN, the Underground Video Network. That would be Richard and Mike, who have been giving you wonderful things from podcasts to public events, all here in the tri-state area of Indiana, Ohio, and, of course, Kentucky. We also want to thank Mr. Mark Kidwell from Images 68 for being a wonderful sponsor to the Champion City Comic Con, which will be coming back at you in 2018 in Springfield, Ohio in October. To the Gem City Comic Con, which is coming to you March 24th to 25th, 2018 at the Dayton Convention Center in Dayton, Ohio, where you can get your tickets this Christmas to make sure that you don't miss out on the amazing comic creators that they have there. To Hazard Productions and their all-ages comics. And the Right Now Scott Comics, which will soon be something, and he'll tell us this in a little bit because the owner-operator of that, Scott Bachman, is with us tonight. But the Scott Comics and their all-ages comic, Our Supermom, where yours truly was the inspiration for one of the heroes, Ghost Hunter. And since I said Scott Comics and I said Scott Bachman, I'd like to give a warm welcome to my friend and sponsor of AGP, Mr. Scott Bachman. Yay! Hi, Scott. Yay! I just imagine Kermit the Frog flailing. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Manumina. Do, 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 do. Oh, God, so, I got stuck in my head. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And we're done. No. <laughs> my gosh, this concluded. This is wonderful. We're done. No. Um... So you actually mentioned some amazing news that you're moving forward with Scott Comics. You're actually kind of almost like revamping it because you're going to be changing the name here shortly. Yeah, I decided to rebrand it. Um, Originally, I went with Scott Comics because, hey, my name is Scott, and I make comics. It seemed like a pretty simple idea, but uh, branding me as a product didn't really accomplish much because no one cares who made the comic. They just care what's in the comic. I cared. What? I cared. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I cared. <laughs> well, you, you cared so much, I sponsored you. So it's a good mm-hmm. And then you made me a character. Yes, I made you a character. And I got some I'm news awesome. on that, too. Yay! But so anyway, I don't just do comics. Um, I sell more illustrated books than I do comics. I do novels, and I've got a bunch of role-playing game stuff and some card game stuff coming out. So Scott Comics didn't really sound like all that other stuff, so I decided to rebrand it. 
And in the process of rebranding, I got to thinking, well, why don't I just make a mascot? Because people will remember the mascot even if they don't remember the comics. And one thing led to another and go, okay, what's the cutest thing that I know? And the answer is my dog. My dog, Odin, is a purebred corgi with the unusual trait of having a blue eye and a brown eye. So I decided to use him as my mascot, and once I did that, I decided to call the company Corgi Press. Aww. Coach, me, I I would have to say, if I had a dog with one blue eye and one brown eye, I'd be like, yeah, your name's David Bowie. End of story. There's there's no arguing this. Well, I called him Odin because when he was a puppy, he had a brown patch over one eye, and that was the brown eye. And then the blue eye was in kind of a white area. So it looked like he only had one eye. Ah. So there's where Odin came in. Plus, um, at one point, I wanted to call him Thorgy before I got the dog, and my wife said no. <laughs> She's like, you can call anything else, but not that. Absolutely not that. She's like, put her foot down. No. <laughs> and then she got back at me uh, two months ago. We got another dog. We got her uh, purebred golden retriever. And he's named Thor. So now we have Thor and Odin. <laughs> now you need a Loki. Let's get you something else. Yeah. Because, you know, no, you I don't, don't, have, need, you I don't need a pet named Loki. I mean, you that only have how pet. many dogs? Um, well, as of yesterday, I had four. Today I have three. Unfortunately, my oldest dog, I had to finally put the rest because he was just in a miserable shape. That is always so hard because you're like me. Um, they're they're not just your dog. They're they're a member of your family, and that's always such a hard thing to do. Watching as they get older because they have such a short lifespan, and it it's the most heart wrenching thing anybody ever has to go through when it comes to people who like us. That is that, that's not my dog. That's my kid. Yeah. <sighs> So, yeah, Corgi so I've got Press. three dogs, and I decided to go oh. with Corgi Press. You just, you just wanted, you just wanted to be like, yeah, that's our mascot, Odin. He sees all, knows all. Yep. <laughs> well, I also wanted to be the guy in Artist Alley where they go, let's go back to that Corgi guy. Because I'm going to put him on, I'm going to brand him on all kinds of stuff. And one of my ideas was, since I do comics and sci-fi and fantasy and all kinds of other stuff. As a current novel I'm working on is high fantasy. I was going to take the Corgi logo and put different stuff on them, like maybe a mask for the comics and wizard hat for uh, sword and sorcery, that kind of nonsense. Don't know if I'm going to do it, but that was one of the ideas I had. Nice. So you finished off with your last convention back in October, October 29th with the Champion City Comic Con. So you're done for the year. No more conventions this year. Yeah, and honestly, I haven't even booked any conventions next year. I've been so crazy busy. Uh, the only one I know for sure that I'm going to do is Gem City, but I haven't made any plans yet for next year. Mostly I've been trying to kick off my new comic and get get situated with where I'm going. After 12 New issues, comic? 
I just finished my our Supermom comic after 12 issues. Ah. Which, for an independent but, comic, that's quite a bit of comics. Oh, yeah, it is. And it basically came into three four-issue story arcs, which then get turned into three trades. So two of the, two of the trades are already out, and I saw it shows. And the third one's going to come now, out in the spring. And now, you've been on the show. <laughs> Sorry, what? go ahead. The nice thing about the third trade is um, it's in all color. Up until then, we were all black and white comics, but the as of issue what was it called? eight, nine, ten, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. As of issue nine, we're all in color. Nice. And the color is done by a friend of yours, uh, the amazing Nate Lovett. I think I know him. Let's see, Nate Lovett. Does really amazing artwork. Even has done things like Paw Patrols. I think I know him. Yeah. Yeah, Paw Patrol. Yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> likes to help. <laughs> likes to help me harass Jesse for every time he Jesse's something. Yeah, I think I know the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ross Hughes started doing the color for us, but uh, after the first issue, he had to basically move from Texas to Florida. And then after he moved there, they started throwing hurricanes at him. So we got a little busy. <laughs> So I had to find a new colorist, and I said, hey, Nate, what you doing? So we're at every show together, and he goes, I'm really crazy busy. I'm doing all kinds of things. I said, I love this. I'm sorry. I'm still laughing. Moves to Florida, and they start throwing hurricanes at him. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just picturing this guy above Florida going, and you get a hurricane, and you get a hurricane, and you get a hurricane. Oh Christ! Yeah, it's uh, um, you know, funny story about Florida. The last hurricane that hit Florida that I that I knew of, you know, before this year was the year that I moved down there. And then for 15 years, Florida, especially where I lived in Panama City Beach, Florida, few tropical storms, hurricanes either went to the west or the east of us, no problem. I move away from Panama City Beach, Florida, and they get hit with a hurricane, and they've had hurricanes ever since. It's like, I'm wondering if they want me to move back yet. Because, <laughs> <laughs> oh... Have you ever experienced a hurricane? No, but uh, I know kind of what you're talking about. Because it seemed for a while that it seemed like every time I left the place that I went to for the first time, got hit by a hurricane. The first one was when I went to New Orleans, and next year it was like devastated. There was a couple more like that, but no, I've never been in a hurricane and never planned to. This is this is what I learned while living in Florida about hurricanes. The hurricane comes, everything gets closed down, and everybody runs out to the bar. Because for some reason, you can only survive a hurricane if you're drunk. Like, well, that's, you're more relaxed, so your your body's less likely to take impact when you get slammed against the wall. <laughs> Even though it'll tell you the most devastating thing isn't normally the hurricane itself, even though the flooding does cause issues because everything's so below water, but it's the tornadoes that spawn off of it that's more devastating than anything else because in Florida, Florida's lovely. They have no warning system. So, you know, living here in Ohio, 
um, if there's a tornado, we don't get a lot of time, but the sirens go off. They, they're like, and you're like, oh, crap, and you run to your basement. Florida, there is no warning system. You just walk outside and go, oh, look, tornado, and there's no basement to hide in. So you find, like, the one place, which is normally a closet that doesn't have a window in it. This is why I do not live in Florida. <laughs> it was the most and then people wonder why after living in Florida for 15 years I'm like yeah when it storms I don't sleep anymore it's like I want to be alert if, if danger's coming my way I want to know about it they're like well we got alarmed yeah I live 15 years without alarms I'm not risking it now uh, so you have Jim- transition back to where we were um, so you mentioned a little bit earlier that you were moving because you've been on the show before and we've discussed your comics from, um, hard case to our super mom. And we've talked about some of the comics that you've had with the show before, or not your comics, but your books that you've done with the show before. Um, during that time you ended up, Oh, what? Ow, that hurt. Um, with your books, you have the two that actually go into your, our super mom which is To Thy Own Self Be True and The Paragon of Animals. But you've also you've also been the author of The Grass is Awful and Eat the Bunny Before the Bunny Eats You, which is the most adorable kind of like spoof on the old golden books that it talks about the chocolate bunny uprising during Easter. But you mentioned something that you're working on a couple of new things from card games to an RPG. I would love to talk about that. Okay. Um well, early on, I had a friend of mine, Aaron Einhorn, who was editing my book. Um, actually, I went through several editors, but he was one of the main ones. And uh, he started losing track of all the characters in my novel. And I said, yeah, I've got a lot of characters, and I reuse them in the comics and the novels, and it's just second nature to me. He says, yeah, well, I had to start making a list of them. And I said, yeah, we ought to make, like, one of those Marvel compendiums where you have all the characters. And he says, well, you know, we should just make it as a role-playing book so that you have a roster of characters. And I said, I don't have time to do anything like that. And he says, well, one thing led to another, and basically Aaron wrote um, the RPG character manual that I have. I don't bring it to too many conventions because at comic conventions, the gaming stuff doesn't sell. And I do bring it when I go to other conventions. But online, it's one of the few books out there that is a source material for new characters for superhero games. And it's done by the Mutants and Masterminds open system. So you can use it with a bunch of different games. So I sell those continually online. And I don't even have to advertise them. People just find it. Following on with that, um, Aaron's always run a bunch of games at Gen Con. And mm-hmm. uh, last year, he wanted to do a superhero game, and we were BSing. And uh, I said, well, if you're looking for a low-level character, because he wanted to do street-level stuff. And I said, well, let me tell you the story that's coming up in our Supermom. And I told him that, and he goes, oh, that'd be perfect. So basically what we did is we brainstormed the uh, role-playing adventure before the book was written. 
And about halfway through the book being done, he ran a show, he ran a thing at Gen Con, and we gave away some prizes. And he gave me the source material back for the RPG adventure. And my plan was to publish that too. And along with it, an update of the characters that have come in since the last book. So that was going to be my RPG output, but uh, that's been on my shelf to do for about a year now. I haven't gotten to it, and I Mm -hmm. really want to. And then the trading card part comes in from something I did a couple years ago, which was I got sick and tired of people throwing away my business cards for, you know, handing out uh, flyers or bookmarks or whatever. I'd find them all over the place. So one of the first things I did is I started doing coloring pages for our super mom and passing those out. And kids loved it. They'd come running from all over the place, snatch them up. But they weren't really getting me any sales. Right. Although I did, I did take them all and combine them, and I now have a coloring book. Yay, coloring book. Yep. One side of it is for kids, and then the other side of it is for adults. So it's got the really detailed side in one half of it, and then easier to color on the other half. So Nice. Coloring, so the coloring pages didn't really do much better. So I decided, what if my business cards were collectible? Now, I played, my kids started playing Pokemon when the game first came out. They were the right age. So we played from red and blue for the next 10, 15 years. And the one thing that we got involved in was the trading card game. And I ran the trading card league for several areas around where I lived. And uh, I got good enough at it that uh, they invited me to be one of the refs and judges at Gen Con when they did the Nationals. And I'd stayed with Pokemon up until the original owners of the game, of the card game, sold it to another company. And basically what happened at that point is they changed all the rules. So any card that you had up to then was null and void. I'm like, oh, my God. You invest enough stuff. It's like if somebody bought magic and said, all of a sudden, all your magic cards are useless. You now have to buy the new cards. And only they count. Uh, That happens. Yeah. So I got out of Pokemon, but always had a fondness for the card. So I decided, why don't I make my superheroes as Pokemon cards? And what I did is I made, took nine of my characters, one through nine, and made Pokemon cards for each one of them. Now, they're not really Pokemon, they're the character, but uh, they look like metallic Pokemon cards. They look like something, but they're just my business card. And so I'd hand them out at shows. And that has been phenomenal. People collect them. People treasure them when they get them. Uh, and I always get digital sales after the show, which means people are taking them home and looking at them. Well, right. the original idea is I was going to make nine cards, and I was going to make a simple version of the card game War so kids could play with the cards. Um, Somewhere along the lines, I decided 
oh, no, why don't I just make a full trading card game? I've got enough characters. I've got enough ideas. And we've written, uh, me and some friends of mine have written the card game, and I've got most of the art to do it. I just haven't had the time to sit down, put the cards together, get them printed, play test it a bit, and then assemble it. Because, you know, that stuff takes time. But uh, my plan is to finally release the trading card game next year. So the idea is it's two. What you have is you have two players. Each of them has their own deck, and it's a deck of heroes. In the center is going to be a deck of villains. And basically, you're taking turns trying to beat the villains. And whoever beats heroes first wins. But you can also do stuff like it's a little bit of a mess with your other person depending on how you play it because you're both attacking the same guys in the middle. So you can do things that strengthen the bad guys or you can do things that make them weak to you, strong to them, or vice versa. Um, But what I want to do is I wanted to make a game where you weren't directly fighting each other. You're fighting a mutual enemy. And I wanted to make a heroic. So this is the game I came up with. And I've gotten so many requests for the card game that goes with my trading cards that uh, I figured, well, I might as well do it. So that's supposed to come out next year. So that would be the role-playing game supplement with more characters, the Expand Encyclopedia, and the trading card game. That's my gaming plans for next year. Nice. So when you say next year, how around what time in 2018 are you expecting? Like early 2018, later? I'm looking at the gaming stuff to come out in summer, so I'm going to be ready. So it'll be out by either Origins or Gen Con. I haven't decided if I'm going to go to Origins. If I go to Origins, I'm going to push to have everything done by then. Um, if I go to Gen Con, I'm not going to get a booth or anything because Gen Con's too expensive. But I may run some games at Gen Con as an event. Haven't decided yet. But uh, I'll have all the cards. And basically, comic shows go in the spring and they go in the fall. There's pretty much a void in the summer aside from San Diego. There's really nothing that happens during the summer. So I figure if I get the cards out sometime in the summer, I'll have them for the fall shows too. Nice. Awesome. And this is not even the real announcement that I have. Okay, well then, what's the real announcement that you have? Well, not Corgi Press is going to be putting out their first new comic. Now that I'm done with our Supermom, I'm doing a brand new comic. The comic is going to be called Delta Dawn. It's about... uh, my same character from our supermom, the Paragon, she's going to be leading a team of 20-somethings. So you got a 40-something trying to teach 20-somethings how to do their job. And it's learning how to be heroes. The difference is it's an all-girl team and going to play with the age differences 
but it's also going to be more PG-13. It's not going to be an all-ages comic. So I'm going to get into some eh, more mature territory, something I wasn't able to do in any other comics. Hmm. The artist for the book is William Grapes. He's done some pinup stuff for me before. Um, he also does a comic, independent comic called The Fire Dragon. And uh, his art is phenomenal. Um, I got Nate to stay on his colors. So the book looks amazing so far. And I'm trying to build up a buffer before I start the comic because I'm going to put it online like I did my other comics. And uh, mm. so the, I promised you I was going to tell you something about the character I created named, named Amanda. Well, he's the, <laughs> he's the only character that's going to continue from our supermom other than the main supermom character. Nice. She's one of the uh, the new kids that's being trained. She's since changed her code name to Seer, and we changed her costume a little bit, but it's the same person. Hmm. She was in her about 19, 18 in the R Supermom comic, and now she's in her early 20s. She's our goth chick. Early 20s. Those were a good time. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of the things is everybody forgets all the stupid things they did when they were in their 20s. Or they remember them really well and don't want to tell anybody. 20s that for yeah. me, my 20s is about maybe 15 podcasts, so no, we're not going there. Yeah. Um, 20s are when you think you know everything, and you try to do everything, and you finally get the keys to the car to go run off and do everything you've ever wanted to do, and then reality sets in. So it's an interesting time period. Um it's kind of like trying to do a Teen Titans but grown up. I wasn't interested in teens dating each other, but uh, 20-somethings exploring their life sounded pretty fun. Um, each of the characters is extremely different. A multi-ethnic cast. Uh, what else can I say about it? i do something else. Um, it's going to be awesome. Hopefully. Totally gorgeous, so of course it's going to be awesome. And I'm writing it, so it's going to be funny. It's going to be good. Um, so yeah, uh, my plan is to. I have been saying the 27th of this month, I was going to kick off my website and kick off with the first issue of the comic. Our Supermom ended a couple of weeks ago, and so I really wanted to get this new one out so there's some kind of level of continuity. But uh, it's been a lot of work redoing the website and setting everything up and rebranding everything. And uh, Publishing books is a lot of work. It's much more fun to write them. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the work between that and the fact that you're rebranding everything has not been a small task lately. No, it's, it's been a monumental effort. But uh, um, one of the things I'm going to do with the new site is I'm going to have a members-only section. 
which the only thing you have to do to get into it is buy a book from me, and I give you the password. And the members only section is where I'm going to put all the bonus material and put previews of upcoming stuff and you know behind the scenes junk. Um, right. Quite possibly put out some stuff that you won't see elsewhere. Down the line, hmm. as my uh, new fantasy novel gets going, I'm also going to be taking advanced readers and giving them chances to read and comment on the book before anybody else sees it. And that would be really art. cool. And I'm going to be doing art copies of my books starting next year. Art copies are advanced oh. reader copies where a select few get a copy of the book. It's not necessarily a completely finished, but it's really close. They get a copy of the book before anybody else does. With the idea is on the day that the book releases, if you get an art copy, you're supposed to go out and um, put a review up on Amazon or something. You know, we're not telling you to write a great review. Obviously, that would be great, but... But the idea is you get a chance to reward your fans because they get to read something in advance of everybody else. They get a limited edition thing because the ARC is not released to the general public. And you get a little bit of push when the book does come out on Amazon. Well, that's the way that they do it in publishing novels. Um, I've never seen it applied to comics. So I'm going to basically take stuff that works in the fiction world and try to put it towards comics. I've also learned that if you're going to release a comic, well, if you're going to release a book and you want to get into libraries, it's got to be reviewed. And reviewers only do reviews with art copies before the book comes out. That's just the way the book industry works. They have to review the book before it exists. Then the book comes out and it has a bunch of reviews. Then libraries can order it. They can't order it without the reviews because they have people they answer to. There's no reviews of a book. How does anybody know it's any good? Hmm. That's the way things work. Um, I learned that going to a bunch of book conferences and the American Library Conferences, which I've done a couple of. So my plan is um, the third trade of our super mob is done. I could release it now, but... Um, I'm going to try to release it properly next year so that I can get some advanced reviews and try to get it to libraries and maybe even get it into some schools. The book itself will probably be printed around Gen City. I can't imagine I won't have it at Gen City. I, won't have it at Gen City. I might have it before. But uh, so I'm going to do a bigger release, try to get more notice from the books, do more online advertising. You know, try to make it a business. I'm stealing stuff. Nice. I when I first started doing comics, I paid a lot of attention to what web comics were doing. And I went to a lot of conferences with web comic creators because they were the first people that took comics independently and monetized it. Or at least turned it into a marketing brand online. So I learned a lot from them. I spent a lot of time learning how, learning comics from comic pros. Then I kind of hit hit a wall, going, "Well, what else can I do? You know, aside from putting Spider-Man and Deadpool in a book to make it sell, 
what else can you do? So I started paying attention to what novelists do. And nobody sells more books than um, romance writers. Romance writers sell in the hundreds of thousands. Right. Most books are lucky if they get in the 5,000. So uh, I've been listening and going to a lot of literary conferences, finding out how, to, how they do it. And it's, it's all building a community around your book. So I'm going to build a community around my books. Or at least that's the plan. Who knows? i got so many plans. We'll see how many of them actually get done. That would be cool. So, that, so that's all my stuff. I'm going to have um, lots of stuff for rewarding readers that are loyal readers and keep coming back and the super fans um, that have gaming stuff out. I'm going to have the uh, first color trade of our Supermom out. I'm doing a new novel to come out next year, um, Fantasy, first in a series. And I'm still a new comic. But the new comic is going to start the 27th, assuming I get everything put together. And the nice thing is I control all the websites. So all I'm going to do is if you used to go into the Our Supermom site or any or the Hard Case site, all of a sudden on that day it's going to switch and it's going to point to the correct – it's going to point to the new Corgi Press. So you can still put our Supermom.com in and it will straight to the new site. Right. For a while I was thinking was- maybe I was going to stop giving out the old comics for free. I said, nah, I'm going to leave it up there. Um, the quality is a little bit lower than it was before, as in the image is a little bit more pixelated, a little bit not as crisp, just because um, I wanted the site to load faster. Before I try to have really nice images up there, I'm like, you could just buy the book, and it is gorgeous. Or you could get a digital from Comixology. Works right through comics. But uh, I figured the high res is for uh, the real good print and digital markets for people to pay. For people to get it for free, you're getting a faster load and just a little bit lower quality. But it's free. Oh, yeah. And we all love the price of free. It's my favorite price. <laughs> uh. So you mentioned a little bit about Comixology. How well has that been helping you with being able to reach viewers, readers, things like, well, not viewers, but readers um, for your comics and stuff? How well has that been working out for you? Comixology has been fabulous. Um, I've done shows on both coasts, and not often, but I'll do like one or two a year. And any time I go to a show, people know my books. Nice. How do you know my book? You haven't been to a show. Oh, they got it from Comixology. Um, it happened when I did shows in New York, and it happened when I was out in San Diego, Comic-Con. And it happened when I did a show in, the, in uh, California. So, Comicsology really does give you an audience. Um, I don't always get the breakdowns. You don't get a whole lot of information from Comicsology, But uh, from Amazon, I do know that I have readers from around the world. And from my website... I definitely know that I have readers from around the world. 
Um, made a lot of friends in England through doing comics, which is England has a very intense comic community over there. Big surprise. With Alan Moore and Grant Morrison and all the rest out there. It's a pretty dense comic area. But there's an awful lot of indie comics that come out of um, England. Made friends with a lot of those guys. But yeah, Comicsology has been really, really good. Overall, I do about three conventions worth of sales from Comicsology by itself over the course of a year. Nice. And I've done zero advertising. I, mean, I don't do anything. I just put it out there. Um, next year, I'm going to start promoting Comicsology a lot more and making more of an effort to get seen. That's the nice thing about Comicsology is it's easy to get back issues because they're all there. It's not like you oh, yeah. got to sell issue nine and eight, one through eight are no longer in the bins and too hard to find. No, Comicsology, you you find a comic and you can binge it just like Netflix. So I'm hoping to pick up some readers that have never even seen my comics as I put out the news. Nice. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is um, one of the nice things about comicsology is where I do like having a hard copy of my comic because you can't sign a digital copy. You can't get your creators to sign digital copies. Um, So I do get that nice collectible item. But with comicsology, you can't take your comics with you everywhere that you go. And it seems to be that most of the comics on there are at a very reasonable price. Yeah, uh Independent ones tend to be for around a dollar, whereas the big two tend to sell the comics for the same price as print. Um, so yeah, it's, for independence, it's, it's a lot cheaper. It's also one of the best markets for a comic creator because you're not maintaining inventory. You're not paying for printing. You're not storing tons of paper in your house. There's really right. no inventory. There's really no inventory. That makes life wonderful. Every comic creator I know that puts out their own books, they have stacks and boxes and boxes of books in their house waiting to go somewhere. Or all my friends that finish Kickstarters and just have warehouses and garages full of stuff. Me? No. Oh, I just keep a couple of copies. Geez, I don't know anything about having way too many collectibles or anything like that. No, you don't. Just Let me look. You've got some bare spots on your wall, I think. Uh, no, I no, no, I don't. Christmas is already up. Ah, there you go. <laughs> and I do mean Christmas went up as soon as Halloween went down because I did not want to redo my living room again after doing Halloween and then have to redo it again after Thanksgiving to do Christmas. So I said frack it and the tree went up two days after Halloween. Yeah, for people that have never seen Amanda's house, it's it's an experience. It's like going into a museum of figures. It's the best the best way to explain it is if you've ever seen the movie 40-Year-Old Virgin, that's my house. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's my house. I am 
the 40-year-old virgin versus the virgin part. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you've got that second part. No. I got the, I, I'm almost at the 40. In two years, I'll hit the 40 mark. And I have the collectibles, and I have the prints, and I have the comics, and I have the video games, and I have the nerdy Christmas tree that plays Star Wars, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and Frosty the Snowman, sometimes all at the same time. Well, I think my office is going to look a little bit like your house. Well, I'm part of it. <laughs> but uh, right mm. now, my office still looks like you, the way it does when I moved in two years ago, which is everything's still in boxes and stacked up everywhere because I've been too busy doing stuff to actually put things up on the wall. Kind of sad. <laughs> nah, my, my, you know me and my OCD. I, it's like I have to get it done. By the way, did I tell you I'm moving? No. Yeah. I'm moving next door. Moving next door? <laughs> so my landlady has townhouses that have fenced-in yards, and the two townhouses are coming open this summer. And so my mom's taking one, and I'm taking the other. That should be a nice arrangement. Actually, it's really cool because there's the two bedrooms upstairs, and then there's the living room, a kitchen, washer, dryer, dishwasher, and then it has an attic, no basement. And so I'll be able to move all of my um, Christmas and Halloween decorations up in the attic so they're not still in the house because I don't have a room here for all of them because I have just as many Halloween and Christmas collectibles as I have regular collectibles, which is really sad, I guess, or not because I'm a nerd. Um but then I'm going to have the two bedrooms upstairs. I'm going to move um, the one bedroom upstairs will be my living room. Then the one bedroom will be my bedroom. And my living room is going to become my new office. Sounds like you got it all planned out. Pretty good. <laughs> Where's your recording studio going to be? Huh? Where, where are you going to put your new recording studio? That's why the 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 living room is literally the new office. I'm taking the entire bottom floor except for the kitchen and the bathroom and turning that into the office. Well, there's an office, but there's also a studio. You can have both. Well, the office slash studio area, it'll it's all kind of the same thing. Um, I've got the PC coming soon, and then I have a new game system coming, and I've got a 52-inch TV that's coming, and it's going to be really cool. Yay! And then and then my employees have to come over to my house and work. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Yeah, I should get some employees. That might make my life easier. I should stop doing everything myself. Well, I don't do yard. I can't take credit for the yard. I, I'm going to be honest with you. You still end up doing so much by yourself. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> the only thing I went and delegated was like, I don't want to edit this. Here, you edit it. Cool, thanks. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's another thing. Is my new comic Delta Dawn is actually going to have an editor? That's not nice. Me. That's not you. Who's going to be yeah. your editor? I'm blanking on her name, so I'm looking it up. Like, oh my god, how could I forget her name? She's going to kill me. <laughs> Um, she's gonna be cool. like, um, you forgot. she's gonna be like, you forgot my name on the podcast. There we go. <laughs> no, no, I didn't forget her name. It, it just slipped my mind for a moment. It's Rachel Gladman. 
Ah. She's been, do- she's been doing my social media for me for the last couple months. And uh, nice. she's edited, she is an editor, and she's edited other people's books. And when I started doing this one, I said, you know what? I could really use an editor on this book. And since I'm doing an all-female cast, it's probably nice to have at least somebody on the team that has the correct chromosomes. <laughs> let's, let's put it this way. You need somebody to do double check and make sure you don't go too far off the reservation. Um, I want it to sound authentic. I want it to work. And it's already been a really good collaboration. The very first scene in the book involves basically a girl getting harassed by some guy in the street. You know, cat calls, and guy takes it too far and starts following her. Thing Uh-oh. is, he's got enough power to kill him. He doesn't know that. She does. But she also doesn't have a whole lot of control over her abilities yet. And it's sort of like, I, you know, killing somebody's not really a good thing when you're just starting out. So it's, a, it's an interesting Just hit him in the nards. Yeah. Just ever yeah, hit him in the nards and watch, it, watch him explode, like, boom. So, yeah, we get into those kind of conflicts. And uh, she actually helped me, me rewrite the end of the scene. And it had nothing to do with um, the agencies of the character. It had to do with the races of the character, which I was writing them pretty colorblind. But once she pointed out, it was like, oh, yeah, this totally changes because the character that's getting stuck is African-American. So uh-huh. you, get into, you get into the whole, of, oh, yeah. What happens when a black girl kills a white guy by accident or on purpose? Yeah, that doesn't go well. So it added a whole other level to the story that I didn't even think about. I was just thinking of her as a character, and I wasn't thinking about race. She pointed out, like, oh, my God, how can I be such an idiot? So it's good to have an editor. It's good to have a second set of eyes going over the same stuff. Right. Just getting out better and better. Um. The comic takes place at Delta Academy, which is the new location of the um, Defense Force. The Defense Force, I've shown in my comics, already has an Alpha Squad and a Beta Squad. Well, I decided to go all the way to Gamma, and then I said, well, I can't call them the Gamma Squad because everyone's going to think it's a Hulk comic. So I went Delta. (laughs) And then I'm going like, oh, Delta Force. Delta's a good name for a squad. And as soon as I called it, uh, called the Delta, the song Delta Dawn stuck in my head. And I go, <laughs> oh, God, I can't call it that. And it just stuck. I haven't been able to find a better name. So I've come up with a good logo, and it's the dawning of a new team. It's the dawning of a new Delta team. So it's basically <laughs> putting a superhero team in the, in the Midwest. And they're also... I'll be honest. I'm sorry, what? Names... I said, I'll be honest, trying to find names nowadays is just so difficult to do. Oh, yeah. Very difficult. What I started doing in my comic characters is I started going with other languages and other cultures 
for the names because pretty much everything in English, there's somebody out there that's got it already. Oh, yeah. It's like when I was little, I used to dream I had a pet dragon. I named it Spitfire. And then the other day, there was a cartoon. They had a dragon. Guess what they named it? Spitfire. Damn you. I want my royalties. Yeah, royalties. Well, that was the other thing. I, I, had that... Worried that, I was worried that somebody else had already made a Corgi Crest something. Went and searched on the Internet as soon as it came up with the, with the name. Nope. The domain was open, so I bought it that day. Oh, yeah. And you and, have to. And I went researching, and I eventually did find out there is one publishing company that's called Corgi something, but it's not Corgi Press. It's like, believe it or not, um, on Once Upon a Time, I was like, okay, well, you know, I did this, and it's Amanda Gillen Presents, because I never, I never expected for AGP to move to what it's become. I thought it'd always just be this little podcast that I did. And now that it's grown and it's bigger and there's actually employees and everything, I was like, well, maybe I should make it, you know, AGP as Amanda Gillen Productions. Nope, that name's taken. Who the hell has my name? Give it back. <laughs> then to come find out there's an Amanda Gillen Photography. There's an, I'm like, look, there's only one me. Knock it off. Leave my name alone. <laughs> You bastards. And then somebody's like, well, why don't you use the Lady Vader thing? I was like, technically, I can't use, I can use that as a gamer tag, but I can't use it as an actual promotional thing because technically that's copywritten because that belongs to Timothy Zahn because that was what he called Princess Leia in his Star Wars books. Even though Disney says they're not canon, they're st- it's still copywritten. Somehow I just got all these imagining all these Amanda Gillums in the world, and you're like, they all like they all like pee. <laughs> what does P stand for? Perfection, pristine. It could, it could have gone Amanda Gillum presents. Has anyone done that? <laughs> I. I that one's locked in. That's mine. They can't have it. They need to step away. It's like somebody somebody the other day actually hashtagged AGP for theirs. I was like, uh, you need to step off that. That's my hashtag. <laughs> That's mine. Step off my hashtag. I <laughs> I studied hashtagging, believe it or not. Get off it. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Actually, when it came to social media, had to actually sit down and learn things like hashtagging and how and when to use it. Oh, my God. Social media drives me nuts. It takes it's so a, much time. It's a bitch. Well, I when I first started comics, I invested an awful lot in Facebook, and I got several thousand followers early on. And... Pretty much once I started getting to a level that was pretty useful, that's when they changed the rules and basically nobody gets to see anything. And then it mm-hmm. keeps changing the rules every couple of months to make it even harder for people to see anything. So now, mm-hmm. people I use Facebook, it's like nobody sees anything. Uh, it'll get to like maybe 20 people, well, even though there's thousands I- of people following it. Facebook has an issue. You know Facebook has issues when you get on Facebook and your parents are there. And you're just like, well, Facebook is ruined. 
The day the day my dad got a Facebook account was the day I went. Oh look, guys, hell froze over. Now Twitter was actually kind of interesting for a while because Twitter was a great way to follow comic creators. An awful lot of them spent a lot of time tweeting, and it was interesting getting to know people. But you have to wade through so much stuff. It's you can easily you can easily spend all of your time in social media and not get anything done. Oh yeah. And then eventually you have to learn how to combine your accounts together so you, you're not constantly having to go from Facebook to Twitter to Instagram and back and forth. You have to learn to connect them so you can do just one post so everything shows up on those posts. And then, of course, there's from there we now have these things like Snapchat that everybody's into. Uh, we have things like uh, Twitch and YouTube that everybody's implementing into um, there's more and more free sites out there that people can use to get their name out, whether it's showing them drawing, watching them write, just doing, uh, hi, this is the Scott Bachman, uh, you know, welcome to Corgi Press with Scott Bachman, the writer, and he's going to sit down and do a writing lesson with you for the next 20 minutes here on YouTube. That's not a bad idea, actually. Um, <laughs> okay, look, well, I am giving you people ideas on my freakish show <laughs> I keep doing this shit. <laughs> well, one of the things I'm going to do with my um, you're talking about linking them all and I had sort of done that with my old sites but when I previously I had a Scott Comics site which is where you could purchase everything but I had separate sites for hard case and separate sites for Supermom because they were different age ranges. Mm -hmm. I didn't really want the audiences crossing over. But I was never really able to get people to go to the main site, because once they got to the comic site, they never went anywhere else. And so I'd get, you know, eight, ten thousand people a week reading the Superman comic, and I couldn't get anybody to go to Scott Comics' site. So when, I read it, when I'm redoing it from Courtney Press, it's all one place. And when I Yeah, post, which makes sense. And when I do post, it's going to go out to Facebook and Twitter and whatever else I decide to set up. And it's going to be much easier to like and share stuff. So I'm trying to make it a lot more social media friendly. Just because it's exactly what you said. It's a lot of work to go do X in addition to everything else. Trust me, if you need help figuring any of that stuff out, I'd be more than happy to help you out, you know, with being friends and everything. Because I, I had to learn how to do that with doing everything for AGP and having to do Gym City and having to do Champion City. I had to learn a way to make the workload a lot easier on me because I hated having to go to four websites to make a post about something every time I went to do a post. It was ridiculous. Well, what's really ridiculous is I'll get a comment on Facebook, I'll get a comment on Twitter, I'll get a comment on Tumblr, but they'll be totally different audiences and nobody else will see those comments. So, you know, you got like 20 people here, 20 people there, 20 people there, which is, you know, 60 people is more than nothing, but they're not really connecting. So right. I'm really trying to make my site more of a hub. And some of the other things I'm going to do, which ties into your comment about Scott teaching writing. 
which I have done a lot of writing, teaching stuff. But what I'm going to do on my website is, in addition to the comic coming out Monday and Friday, I'm going to have uh, special features on a, running in the, in the site. I'm going to do independent comic reviews. I'm going to do some how-tos. Basically interesting stuff or whatever I just feel like promoting. Um, indie, produce, indie comic people don't really promote each other well enough. And they're not really all that great at promoting. So I'm going to promote them and tell you about everybody else's Kickstarter and maybe one of these days I'll do one of my own. You know, I got this really brilliant, I just, oh, I just had this brilliant idea. For your opening shot, you got to get a shot of Odin just kind of like walking and then get him to bark like, woof, woof, and then like, tra- and then transfer that into when you do the setup and then you just kind of like have him, the real live hand transfer into your new logo and then it just has like this like little like sparkle noise and then it comes up, boom, corgi press. And then underneath, and then the title comes up, Writing Tips with Scott Bachman. And then you just start, hey, guys, this is Scott Bachman with Corky Press, the creator of yada, 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 yada. And today we're going to talk about developing a character. It would be perfect. Oh, my gosh, there you go. There's your YouTube channel. Oh, my God, a YouTube channel. (laughs) And then I'll have a CGI uh, Iron Corgi lasting between the segments. So it explodes when you go to the next segment. I'm just telling you, man. I just, I, I just, I just served you your next endeavor on a silver platter. You better grab it. You better take it, and you better run with it. Gosh, I'm a genius. I like now I know why everybody. <laughs> of course, now, now you understand what my editors go through. I go, oh, this is a brilliant idea. So let's do this. And you make it happen, because I came up with the idea, and I'm exhausted now. So, bye. My editor yeah. hates me. Well, this is also <laughs> why, when you, get, when you see me at comic shows, my table is full of books. And you go to other creators, and they'll have, like, one or two books. Because I keep getting ideas, and I say, why don't I just do it? And I just do it. Because I'm telling you, man, um, if not there, then on Twitch would be the place to do it. I know a lot of comic creators use Twitch right now. It's a real great platform. Um, one, one of our fellow friends and um, another fellow sponsor of AGP, Sean Forney, um, he's an artist. And so he'll go on Twitch live and he will do an artist rendition live there. And they'll watch him draw one of his um, commissions or something, which is really fantastic. For what you're doing I would suggest having um, a recorder maybe with Audacity or something. Like with me, I have a really nice mic with the little boom thing on it, so it helps with the background noise and everything. Um, plug it in. I plug it into USB on my computer. It allows me to go ahead and record on Audacity, which allows me to be able to clean it up if I have to make any edits with it. And then I use a video camera to actually record the actual face of everything, and I link the two together. And then that, and that both of those get edited, and that becomes a solid 
video and that's what i would suggest you do and that's how you can start your youtubing because i think the youtubing thing would be really cool for you it'll get you another way of getting the message out about your stuff you'll be able to show pictures of some of your stuff of some of the work show past present future and you'll be able to help like you said you want to help people and this is a really great way to be able to help people because you see a lot of stuff about the drawing aspects of comics but you don't really find a lot of stuff about the writing aspects of comics, how to write it out, how to find um, artists, um, how a writer coordinates with their artist to make sure that the artist actually envisions the same thing that you, the writer, are envisioning when you're creating these characters or you set up the storyboard. Yeah, but who wants to see my face? I think what, if I do a YouTube channel, I think what I would do is I would just film my dog and just talk over it. You are totally defeating the purpose of it. No, they get to know you. They get to see you. That way when they go to the show, they see you and go, oh, my gosh, it's Scott Buckman. Oh, my you can see the channel and you do it. I mean, so much when you sign all of my stuff. Uh, I suppose that's not that bad a thing. No, it's uh. not. Why? <laughs> Let's see. Um, is any of my people listening? No, because they don't. <laughs> I love my staff. They don't listen to my show. So I can say this. This is the reason why my staff is going to cringe when they open up their Christmas presents and they go, oh, yay, a face cam. <laughs> Crap. Because now I am moving. And trust me, when it comes to Tyler and Kathy, they hate face cam. Like, they just absolutely hate it. And so they're just going to love the face cam so they could go, yay, fuck you, sissy. Because <laughs> that's pretty much how Christmas is going to go this year because they're afraid to be on camera. It's amazing. There are, they are some of the coolest people you'll ever meet. You put a camera on and they're frozen. It's yeah, like, that's what people do. I'm not too bad on camera. I just hate looking and looking at myself and listening to myself. If I didn't See, have and to that's edit it, if I didn't have to look at it or if I didn't have to edit it, I'd do it all the time. <laughs> so I got to get an editor because that's, in all honesty, that has been the hardest thing that I, the one hardest thing that I have learned is listening to yourself. You're just like, uh, do I really sound like that? Oh, do I really look like that? That is not what my mind perceives as my voice or what I look like by any stretch of the imagination. That is horrible. Yeah, doing podcasts where they have the uh, headsets on and they're doing, you can almost hear yourself. It just, it's just weird. It's completely different than just talking. Why do you think I wear a headset now when I do a podcast? Why do you think I – I have to wear a headset when I do the video gaming because I have to be able to hear everybody else. But right now, I'm sitting here with a headset, full-on podcast stuff. I just still use TalkShoe because it's absolutely free, and TalkShoe, even though you're not a sponsor of AGP, has been very promotive of me. They even favorite and retweet my tweets about the podcast. So I'm thankful for them. Because they don't have to do that. They give me an opportunity to do this absolutely free, and they still help promote my show. So, yay! That's a win-win. <laughs> they're the ones, they're the one. talk shoe 
is the one who actually sets everything up on iTunes for me. So I don't even have to do that. They automatically transfer my podcast from here to there. And I'm like, cool. That's great because I don't have an iTunes account. Yeah. Well, well, I looked looked into uh, having my books done um, in audio version. And I've met several. It's interesting. When you're at comic shows, you tend to meet a lot of voice actors or people that do voiceover work. And I've had I've talked to several people about potentially doing it, but it's so much time, effort, and money to do an audio book. Oh yeah, it is. But, but I, I haven't hope really I gone hope there yet. But I'll do a voice. If I get this, if this fantasy novel I'm working on goes well, I may just turn it into an audio book as well. Nice. I've been thinking about I've been thinking about serializing it, but I don't really write my novels in a serial form. If that makes any sense. I tend to, I tend to adapt my writing style to the format. And the thing I like about novels is you can go wherever. You can, you can spend a lot of time on a lot of things. I don't write I don't write like Dresden, where everything ends on a cliffhanger at the end of every chapter, and you got to figure out how it gets out of it the next one. I should, if I was smart, but... No, sometimes people like closure. <laughs> I don't think my novel's going to translate well to a serialized story, but who knows? Um, a lot of people, a lot of people that I know that have done audio stuff have done just that. They've released one chapter at a time as an audio form. And there's a lot of people that are serializing their books, too. Instead of putting out an entire novel, they'll put out one or two chapters. What was it that I was, I was listening to? It was they. It, it was kind of like doing a play, but instead of it being an actual play, it was an audio play. So you know, there's a narrator who would basically read like the stage things, like so and so walks off and closes the door with a slam behind them, and then you heard as the door slammed. But they had like five or six people playing these parts during this zombie apocalypse, um, trying to survive together. And it was really interesting to see how they did it. Yeah, there's a there's quite a few radio shows now that are um, done like that. Podcast has really brought back a whole bunch of stuff that used to be done on radio that had vanished. And one of them is doing those audio kind of plays. Um, there's some oh, yeah. really big name ones out there, which, of course, my brain is blanking on, and I can't think of them. But uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour, that's that's one of the biggest. They get all kinds I'll of be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. I know this is really sad, but, um, yeah, I don't listen to podcasts. Uh, am- of course you don't. The only podcast that I have ever listened to was the one that I was talking about because my sister was playing it on our trip to RTX back in 2016, and we and I and the ones that I've listened to with you on the road. That's it. That's the only time I've ever listened to a podcast. I've I don't listen to podcasts. I, it's like it's not my thing. <laughs> I am a podcaster who does not listen to podcasts. I have never listened to, and everybody's like, oh, you got to listen to Fat Man on Batman. Never listened to it. I'm sure he's funny. I'm sure he's hilarious. Never listened to it. 
Well, I've, I've got a problem with podcasts in that uh, listening to people speak really interferes with writing in software. In my day job, I, I do computer programming, and when I hear someone talking to me, it it's too distracting from what I'm doing. I can play music, but I can't really listen to talk. So I don't play many right. podcasts. And when I'm working on a project, I never play podcasts because I can't write while someone else is talking to me. It just doesn't work that way, which is <laughs> odd because I like to write in coffee shops where everyone's talking. But I can't do it. Can't do with podcasts. Well, the only time and I, I totally podcasts, understand that. The only time I listen to podcasts is when I'm traveling. It's like I can't listen to music and work. I can't do it. Unless it's just a straight up instrumental piece, like maybe like a Star Wars soundtrack or something like that. I can't listen to music that has words because the next thing I know, my work is still on the table and I am dancing and singing in my house. I know an awful lot of artists that listen to podcasts because while drawing, it's pretty, it's, it's not too difficult to have something distracting in the background. Um, I know a lot of them actually put on TV shows, too, just so there's talk in the background. But it uh, doesn't work that way for the writer. Although I, when, I'm, I, when I'm doing book layouts and I'm doing all the pre-press work, then I'll play some podcasts. Now, see, when, I, when, when it comes to me and work, I can't have the TV on and I can't have the music on. If the music's on, I'll get up, sing, and dance, and the work's still sitting there. And if the TV's on... It's kind of like I'm sitting there and I'm working and then it's like that scene from E.T. where he's like looking at stuff and then the TV comes on and he just kind of looks up and then he's watching the TV and that's me right there. I look up because there's this one interesting thing on the TV and that's all it takes. And I look up and that's it. I'm going to watch the TV now. Well, speaking and of I mean, I have, that TV, have you watched The Punisher yet? No. Oh my God, is it good. I think it's. I heard it. I put on Facebook the other day. I think the Punisher is the best Marvel property that's been done in a visual medium that's not a comic. I mean, it's it's the best of the TV shows. It's the best of the movies. The Punisher is just perfect. Yeah, you know, it's not um, for everybody, but it's amazingly well I, done. I'm interested in watching it just with the workload lately. I just haven't been able to do that. I've made time for a few things. Um, I mean, hell, I just watched Wonder Woman, the movie, which we're not yeah. going to talk about that because I don't care what everybody else says. It wasn't that great of a movie. Okay. Sorry. Thank you. It was okay. Yeah, I think it was way overhyped because it was a female lead character. And I think that's where a lot of the hype from it is coming. But I do not want... I'm sorry. Iron Man was a way better movie than Wonder Woman was. I'm not saying she, it was a bad movie. Hell, it's the best movie that DC produced. Almost gave everybody hope. Then Justice League came out and they went, oh, well, nope, never mind. It was a fluke. Yeah, you <laughs> I try to set up so you and me could go see Wonder Woman when it came out. And we just never could line up schedules. Now, I will tell you, best movie I've seen so far this year... It. It was fantastic. It gave me nightmares. 
I haven't had a nightmare since I was like in my early teens. That gave me nightmares, which makes that movie absolutely fantastic. I had the best nightmare. I was marrying the man of my dreams, and he and the priest went, "You may now kiss the bride." And then he turned into that damn clown, and I went, "Ah!" That's yeah, terrifying. that sounds like an Amanda. That sounds like an Amanda dream. It was a perfect wedding, too. I had my imperial march as I marched down the aisleway in my Princess Leia gown, marrying a guy dressed up as Han Solo. It was a perfect wedding, and then he turned into a killer clown. I was like, this sucks. And not even like killer clowns from outer space. No, the exact clown from the new It movie. But it was fantastically done. Um, best show that I've watched so far this year, second season of Stranger Things. Now, my wife's watched Stranger Things, and for whatever reason, I haven't watched one or two yet. I'm probably going to get to it sometime soon. <laughs> you need to. Yeah, you, I know you well enough. I just, I love that. And the Easter eggs, and seeing Sean Astin in season two, and Paul Reiser, because Paul Reiser, you know who Paul Reiser is, right? Yep. Okay. For those of you who don't know who Paul Reiser is by name, he is the corporate sleaze from the Aliens movie. The one that goes, it was a bad call, Ripley, a bad call. Him, bad call my ass, you jerk off. And he plays another government official. And the moment you see him on screen, you're like, this is not going to go well. This is absolutely not going to go well. <laughs> like, that's not spoiling anything. So I'm not telling you if it does or doesn't. I'm just telling you, if you're nostalgic like I am and seeing somebody coming back from one of your all-time favorite movies and going, other, <laughs> other than Mad About You with Helen Hunt, the TV show, you've played corporate sleazes. I don't like this at all. <laughs> it's like, no. Um, I did get to see Justice League. Just absolutely. Horrible. Horrible. I will honestly say I have I have not seen Thor and Ragnarok, and the reason why I have not seen it is because I need another nerd person to see it for me, someone who's into the comics, because I know that they integrate it with Planet Hulk, and that terrifies the living shit out of me. Why does it terrify you? Well, because you're talking to one right now who has read the comics and has seen the movie and is a, pretty much as nerdy as you can get. So why does so it's, Planet Hulk scare you? Because, in all honesty, I would much rather actually see a Planet Hulk movie. I know I have one in the animated version, which is, you know, other than they really kind of glossed over the whole Hulk becoming his own personality and getting smart, um, Bruce Banner aspect that you read in the comic. It was really well done, and even though they couldn't get the rights to the Silver Surfer, they put Better Ray Bill in there, and I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and I always thought that it deserved its own movie. And let's face it, the last time they took two different properties and smashed them together, I got Batman v Superman, and, well, we all saw how well that turned out. Well, if you're looking for a great Ragnarok Thor story and you're looking for a great Planet Hulk story, this was neither of those. It's more of borrowing a whole pastiche of stuff. And it's really a roller coaster ride. It's hilarious and it's fun. It's not it's kind of like here's a good way to describe it. When they're in the arena and all the places mm -hmm. around outside of it, 
all the artwork mm-hmm. on the walls and a lot of the aliens in the background are all Jack Kirby style and Jack Kirby. Oh, nice. And, you know, they didn't have to do that, and it has nothing to do with Planet Hulk. But you see Kirby artwork come to life everywhere. You see Kirby-like aliens walking around in the background. So it, it has that kind of love for the comics, but it's its own beast. Um, okay. Like, hell. So, I'm de- so I definitely have to go in there and look at it as a movie, not really based off of the comic books by any means. No, no. It's kind of like it's an adventure that takes place in Sakaar, but they're not doing Planet Hulk. They got a lot of the Planet Hulk elements, but it's not Planet Hulk. Um, they got a lot of elements from various Ragnarok comics, but it's not. When you expect a Ragnarok, you expect this big, epic, bloody Lord of the Rings type showdown. That's not what right. you get, but you do kind of get that. It's hard to explain. Um, one of the things that I love is they got the rights to Led Zeppelin's. Um, oh, what's the song? The yes, yes. And they play it <laughs> twice in the movie at perfect timing. Perfect. No, I don't know the name of the song, but this yes, I know the song. attack in the middle of that for that song. <laughs> may not know the name of the song but I know that yell I know that yell yeah, very well <laughs> uh, well then I guess I will at least give it a try because you know me and you know comic book movies and I'm like that's not real ca- that's not no you will enjoy I mean, it because it's a pastiche of really great stuff um, Valkyrie is, for example Valkyrie in it is not like any of the Valkyries that have ever, ever been in the comics. But she's fabulous. She steals the show every, every time that she's in. Jeff nice. Goldblum, which is what got me thinking about it when you talk about Paul Reiser. Whenever you see Jeff Goldblum, you know you're going to get this goofy guy. Oh, my God, is he hilarious and poor. You see, that's funny because when I when you say Jeff Goldblum, I think of two. I, I, the first thing I think of is Earth Girls are easy. I know most people go with Jurassic Park, but I literally, you say Jeff Goldblum, and I go straight to Earth Girls are easy. I go straight to The Fly, actually. And believe it or not, I never saw that version of The Fly. I hear it's fantastic. Never got to see it. Um, I I've always watched the original where at the very end, spoilers if you see the the original, they sit down on the bench and they hear the voice like he's sitting there and he's in the spider web and he's like, Help me, help me. I love that version by the way. Um <laughs> it's just so creepy. They're right there. They're freaking right there and you're gonna get eaten by a spider. Ew. Ew spiders. Ugh. Don't like spiders. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Thor, Thor is a great, great ride. Um, if you take a... It's kind of like... I, it's Thor is taken as kind of like a, a bro. They pretty much play up the fact that he's, he's pretty much just a dumb blonde that just does things. And it's really not... Uh, 
the brilliant guy in the team. He just punches stuff. Mm, makes sense. And they have a lot of fun with it. You know, too many I mean, there were already, there were already aspects of it that I liked. There were already aspects of it that I liked. Just because of the trailer and that 1980s throwback for, like, Thor and Ragnarok, boom, like, that is, like, the entrance to every 1980s action movie ever. Yeah, it's it's pretty 80s in a lot of its style. But uh, it's, it's, it's nonstop over the... It's more like Guardians of the Galaxy than it is like Thor. Okay. And the fact that it's a, it's a spectacle of crazy. And, oh, my gosh, I wish they would have given, given Hela more screen time. Um. They changed who Hela is. Of the course they did. But then they've changed so much of Asgard, it doesn't really matter that much. But they True. made her look like Hela, and they made her such a badass. Oh, my God. She is, like, one of the best villains that Marvel ever put out there. And they have Surtur in it. Who looks like Surtur? He played <laughs> off as a joke in the beginning, but he comes back. Oh, there's Fenris, and the CGI is great on Fenris. Nice. You get the Hulk. It's, it's worth it to go see the Hulk fight the Fenris War. Okay. Speaking of, I never did get to tell. I never got to talk to you because I finally did get to see Guardians of the Galaxy too. Yeah. Baby yeah. Groot, absolutely fantastic. That opening scene is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. It's perfect. Especially as soon as Drax looks at him, he's like, I ain't dancing. We cool. My favorite Drax part is looks away. He's just so adorable. Actually, my favorite <laughs> bit out of the whole thing is when they just stop the movie and Baby Groot keeps trying to bring back the correct item for uh, Rocket. Uh-huh. Basically... The, the thin control. And yeah, they're trying to bring back, back Yondu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yondu's fit. And he keeps bringing back everything else. And he brings right. back a foot. He brings back a foot at one point, and they're like, we're never going to talk about this. <laughs> because the thing is, is if, if I can enjoy the movie, I will still find great aspects of it. Because, let's face it, I'm a comic book junkie. So, like, when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy and then, like, Yondu's this bad guy, and I'm like, but Yondu is the leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm confused. Yep. And then they, they brought in some of the original Guardians, and Sylvester Stallone is one of the original Sylvester. Guardians. I saw that. I was like, dude, dude. And Tyler's like, shut up. I was like, but dude, dude. Tyler's like, shut up. No, you don't understand. He's like, I do. Stop being a comic book nerd and watch the movie. <laughs> well, the comic book nerd part is spoilers for the three people that haven't seen it. And why are you listening to this podcast if you haven't seen it? But uh, the Adam Warlock cocoon was just like, I, I think I literally screamed in the theater. I didn't think they would ever do that storyline. Oh, I love Adam Warlock. I absolutely. I have all of his comics, and I couldn't see how they were going to do Thanos without. It's pretty much Thanos and Adam Warlock go hand in hand. 
They were both Jim-styling stories, and they, they were never far apart. Mm-mm. Fortunately, they didn't do Pip the Troll, which I can't stand. And anytime <laughs> Stalin does something, he puts Pip the Troll in. But if you're going to do Thanos, oh, yeah. you pretty much need Adam Warlock. Oh, yeah. And just to see Adam Warlock there, even if they don't... Oh! Here's a great part of Thor Ragnarok. Remember how there's there was this big controversy about there was one of the gauntlets for mm-hmm. Thanos in the Asgardian treasure room? Mm-hmm. And they've actually put a couple of the uh, Infinity Stones there. Well, it's mm-hmm. not much of a spoiler to say that Hela gets in there. And as she's walking through... Well, actually, it's not Hela. It's Loki. Oh, Hella. Oh, they both go in there. That's why. But when Hella's going in, goes going through there, she's going like fake, trash, junk. Oh, that's interesting. No. And one of the fake things is the gauntlet, and she just knocks it over. Oh dear Lord. So they bring it back. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, I'll have to go see it then. Yes, I'll have to go see it. I, I do, I will warn you, do not see, if you haven't seen it, don't go see Justice League. Just, just don't, 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 don't. I had no intention. Don't. It's just, ugh, ticks me off. Absolute, I'm just like, how, why, no, ugh. My, do you remember that really bad um, animated Justice League war where, like, uh, dark side is like fifty feet tall. The Did you that see I that? Heard, the minute that I heard they were using Steppenwolf as the villain, I'm going, what? Why Steppenwolf? In all honesty, if you want to go, <laughs> if you want to see a better version of the Justice League movie they just put out, um, just go rent yourself Justice League War, and. Darkseid is the main bad guy in it, and you just kind of have Aquaman in place of Green Lantern, and there is literally the, it's the exact same movie. It is the exact same movie, and I hated Justice League War, (laughs) but if you want a cheaper way to go see the new Justice League movie, there you go. I mean, I absolutely hated Justice League War. I was, it, it was other other than the scene where Green Lantern and Batman are in the sewers, and he's all like, "So, what are your superpowers?" And Batman's like, "I'm rich." And he's like, "Wait, are you not a bat? Are you some dude that's in a costume?" Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like that was like the only good scene in that entire animated movie, and. That's it. Like, the rest of it was crap. And that's pretty much what you get with the Justice League movie. Uh, it it was this quick mashup with Aquaman doing a bunch of one-liners, um, kind of with the almost the exact same dialogue of Green Lanterns from Justice League War to Batman. It's literally pretty much the exact same thing. I was highly disappointed in it. Well, I lost interest. Well, I didn't really have interest simply because it, the Zack Snyder era has had no love for me. I've actually not, I've deliberately not seen a bunch of the DC ones. But, the thing uh, is, is, I keep, I I was keep watching them. About for Justice League, but as soon as I saw all the clips with the Flash, I was going, 
okay, that costume is hideous. It is pointless. It, it, it's ridiculously busy for no reason. And the guy was a jerk, a, a genius. <laughs> and the Flash on the CW is so good, just take him. But the thing is, is unlike um, Marvel, where some of their stuff ties in, like with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., DC oh, and Warner Brothers straight up said they're two completely different universes. And I'm just like, eh. Because you have these phen- you have these phenomenal shows like The Flash and Supergirl going on, and then you're and you have these phenomenal animated movies that you keep bringing out, and then you yeah. have this crap that you keep putting on the big screen. And I'm just like, guys, seriously, if how have you not paid attention to the bad reviews on your live action and the great reviews that you're getting in your television and your animated? You have a problem here. There's something lost in translation, and you need to fix it. Which brings me and back to the Punisher. Which brings you what? This brings me the back Punisher. to the Punisher. Because the Punisher was like the perfect thing to bring to TV. Because there's no special, there's no superpowers. Mm-mm. It's just pure vigilante story. And as a pure vigilante story, it could have been simple. Now, the original Punisher stories were really dumb. Actually, I've got, I've, I'm really not a fan of the Punisher because of the basic concept. But the TV series deals with post-traumatic stress disorder, how veterans are treated, um, gun control. It goes into a whole lot of heavy stuff. And Mm -hmm. acting is phenomenal. They did way more with this movie than they needed to. You mean the show? Yeah. You said movie. <laughs> yeah. The Punisher is no. just phenomenal. And the interesting thing is the very first episode, it kind of plays like a pilot. And it's actually kind of standalone. And the first episode is one of the best things that's ever been done with Marvel. It's just perfect. And in it, Frank is its kind of like a short story. Frank isn't even being Frank. He's hiding out from the world. And working construction and everyone thinks he's dead and you just get this Punisher story wrapping around it and you know Frank's going to get yanked in it's only a matter of time yeah it's definitely on my list and it's really interesting to see how once upon a time DC ruled and DC ruled for a really long time they had the they had the best of everything and now it's the reign of Marvel. And the reason why I keep watching the DC movies is because I still have hope. You know, I, I know what DC is capable of. I mean, you gave me Batman the animated series. You gave me the Superman yes. a- animated series. You gave me the Super Friends. You gave, you know, t- you know, you guys collaborated with Tim Burton and gave me two fantastic Batman movies back in the late 80s, early 90s. What happened? Justice League, and, Justice League Unlimited is one of my favorite cartoons. Exactly. We had the Justice League. Uh, teen, the Not this Teen Titans go shit that they have, but the original Teen Titans, Young Justice. You guys have phenomenal League. stuff. And then oh, have you, you seen the clips from the Runaways? 
it looks Mm-mm. shot for shot like the comic. Ah, nice. It and then like on the really other, and then and it was funny because where DC was just booming at that time, you had Marvel who kept coming up. You know, they had Spider Man, which did well. And then they did Spider-Man again, and we're getting Spider-Man again, because we just can't let go of Spider-Man for some reason. Um, Even though I know he's very important for where Marvel's going. But you had, you know, they had had a few, like, nice hits with X-Men, but they had so many flops with their Fantastic Fours. We had, um... They, no, no, Fox is on a roll. Deadpool was perfect. I hate Deadpool. I love the movie. I I understand Logan. this, but I'm Logan where DC was up here. DC, once upon a time, DC was up here. Marvel was down here. Where you had Dolph Lundgren as the Punisher. You had the yeah. fantastic. You've had. You already had now two bad Fantastic Four movies. You had these really crappy, brought down to kid standard cartoons that were just absolutely retarded. So, like, the only thing Marvel had to go up against, they did have some decent shows. They had Spider-Man and they had X-Men. But for the most part, a lot of people forget the, um, oh, uh, like, the Dolph Lundgren Punisher or, oh, what is it? What is his name? Michael Knight. Um, David, the David Hasselhoff Nick Fury movie. (laughs) Hey, I can can go back to the original Thor versus Hulk. Do you remember it's pretty funny when the movie came out. People were pulling back uh, screenshots from the Thor versus Hulk TV show. You know, let's let's take the original TV series. You know, DC had Adam West as Batman, which as campy as it was, was highly popular. And I remember the movie with the shark repellent. Still love it today. Um, Linda Carter as Wonder Woman versus a really crappy Flash and Captain America show. Yes, but The Incredible Hulk is one of the best-remembered shows, and it ran for longer than both uh, Batman and Wonder Woman combined. But what I'm saying is, is once upon a time, DC had more notches in their stick than Marvel did, and now the roles are completely reversed, and everybody's like, oh, Marvel's the greatest, and it's funny because a lot of people seem to forget Marvel's hard times. You know, they had to struggle in the beginning with their comics because DC was the king at the time. And it wasn't until that pivotal moment where Stan Lee was ready to quit and he decides, I'm going to create the comic book that I want and brings the man, the myth, the legend, Jack the King Kirby back and starts making a name for Marvel again. And it's it's almost like it's kind of funny because you always see this balancing dynamic between the two. Here's DC on top, then Marvel does their thing, Marvel goes up top, DC floods and tries to copy Marvel and change one of the greatest characters in the history of feminism, Wonder Woman, and they're like, oh, well, Marvel's doing all these, like, human pieces. Let's strip Wonder Woman down and just make her a woman and put her in a boutique shop. Um, no. That was a really bad idea. That's as bad as back in the 1990s when you decided she had to work at Taco Bell. Who wrote that crap? You do know Wonder Woman actually worked at Taco Bell, right? Yeah, and she was also uh, writing a feminist newspaper for a while, a feminist magazine. 
And it's just, it to me, it's just funny because it's like everybody tries, and, and there's nothing wrong with remembering the good, but as well as Marvel is on a high, there's the reason, that's the reason why I always go still see the DC movies is because I still have hope. Um, I will always be a DC kid at heart because DC was my place to go for my superhero comics. Marvel is where I got my G.I. Joe comics. I've always been a Marvelite. From, <laughs> a Marvelite. <laughs> always been make my Marvel for me. Um, I got hooked on uh, various comics, but it was the New Mutants that really got me deep into comics. And speaking of the New Mutants, The Gifted is an excellent TV show. It's the X-Men show that the movies should have been. And the best part is they're using actual X-Men characters. They're just not the, the more common ones. But it is so awesome to see Thunderbird, to see Polaris, to see Pixie. Oh, my God, they put Pixie in a TV show. <laughs> But you mentioned something about how well Fox was doing and Deadpool and stuff. You did hear that Disney's trying to buy Fox. Yes, I did. Uh, and that makes me, it makes me a, makes me a little nervous because if Disney Disney gets 20th Century Fox, what does that you know Disney's even though Disney does have some darker stuff, I can't see Disney putting their name behind a Deadpool movie. I just really can't. <laughs> well, the Deadpool movies—the Deadpool movies are in production. It's going to be done. It's got right. Cable. It's going to—it'll be fine. The next Deadpool's safe. But the but next I'm thing is, if Disney buys yeah. Fox, we get a Fantastic Four that doesn't suck. That is true. Crossing fingers. I want justice for my Doctor Doom. I want justice for my Dr. Doom, okay? Justice for Doom, give him back his diplomatic immunity, and make him the ultimate badass that he's supposed to be. Because, you know what? Thanos didn't scare me in the Marvel Universe. Doom did. Here's my theory about uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. I was pretty much convinced that that movie was originally written for Dr. Doom to be the villain. And they tried to negotiate with Fox and couldn't get permission. Everything that happens looks like Latveria. Mm-hmm. It looks, I mean, what's the difference between a lot of Ultrons and a bunch of Doombots? Nothing. Even there's a scene with Ultron sitting in a chair, a throne, with a hood over his head. Freaking looks like Doom. I uh-huh. swear. The movie was written for Doctor Doom. And I mean, in all honesty, in that scene, all he's missing, all he's missing is Doom's golden chalice that he drinks from. That's all he's missing in that one scene where he's sitting on the throne. Yep, I I swear to God, that, that movie was supposed to have Doctor Doom as a villain. They couldn't get it, so they went with Ultron because the whole thing doesn't play like an Ultron as a villain. No, Ultron, it doesn't. Ultron's been very different in the comics. Well, first off, you know, the Ultron that I know, I don't see him hooking up with any organics at all. Because he's all about destroy the human race. They're inferior. The only way to protect the human race is to destroy the human race because they're destructive. Well, part of the the Ultron mythos is mankind 
makes something that goes out of control. It's Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. You can't really have Ultron without Hank Pym creating him and then turning on Hank Pym. So, well, you know, substitute Tony Stark. Which, which really... I totally get the Tony Stark thing because they do do that in the Ultimate Universe. And then they also had that – do you remember that animated movie that they did? Um, it was yeah. – um, Next Avengers, they did the same plot line, except for that it was the kids of the Avengers that had to finally defeat Ultron, other than Old Hulk. But the thing is, it's it, even when you substitute Tony Stark, it's always about I created a monster. Now I've got to mm-hmm. put it back in the box, and the monster hates his god and wants to destroy his god and become god. Mm-hmm. You don't really get that in this. No, you, you get, don't. You get puppets and some weird analogies to it, but it never really feels personal. It's detached. It's like Ultron just hates everything. And Mm -hmm. he's a machine and just doesn't like everything. Whereas Ultron's a lot more personal every time he fights the Avengers because he's so intimately connected to them. Right. Because regardless of what universe that you're in, whether it's the Hank Pym created him or Tony Stark creating him, the only way for the monster to become the true creator is to destroy its original creator. Right. And if you didn't have – the movie would have worked if you had Ultron obsessed with destroying Stark. Mm-hmm. But they didn't go that route. And because mm-hmm. they didn't go that route, Ultron fell flat as a villain. So they really didn't Very write an Ultron story. So if you take Ultron out of it, and what do you have? You have a despot that wants to do whatever they want to do. Like, this was a Doom movie. Yeah. And I would, it would have been so much more fun to have Doom spouting lines than an Ultron spouting lines. Oh, yeah. Because, like I said, Doom has been one of my favorite characters from the get-go. Um, even though, I, like I said, I was a DC girl growing up. I always was. I will always be partial to DC. Those were the cartoons, and those were the, those were the things that I watched when I was little. My introduction to Marvel was G.I. Joe Comics, which got me into Ghost Rider. And then I got um, a What If comic that had Doctor Doom in it, and I instantly fell in love with him. And then I picked up every comic that had Doctor Doom on the cover, or if he was the, if he was the last page in a pan, if he was the last panel on a page at the end of the comic, I would pick it up because he was in it. You know, I'm that way with the villain Taskmaster. I love the Taskmaster, and I love them because his very first appearance was a comic I picked up where Taskmaster takes on all of the Avengers and kicks their butt and then flees. And, like, when was the last time a villain won but left? <laughs> Taskmaster was uh, always like, what? He has the, and the thing that really annoys me is He's the perfect villain to put into the TV shows because he doesn't have a power. His power is photographic memory. If he sees somebody do something, he can do it. That's perfect for TV. There's no special effects. The Taskmaster would be awesome. Yes, he would. We'll we'll have to see. We'll have to see what comes up. I mean, as long as we keep characters like Condiment Man out of them, I'm we're, we're still okay. 
Well, now we've mentioned all the good oh. ones. Have you seen the Inhumans? <laughs> have I seen what? You, the Inhumans? No, I have not. Don't. Oh, I've already horrible. been told to stay away from it. Yeah. Trust me, I've it's... already been... <laughs> there is mo- there's People... moments in some of the things they did with the characters I like, but overall, it's horrible. Horrible. Yeah, I, I've already and been there's told another case. There's another case where they wasted one of the best Marvel villains, Maximus. Mm. Maximus is a great villain, not because he's villainous, but just because he's Maximus the Mad. He just does whatever he wants. He's crazy. He's brilliant. He's like Reed Richards smart. Oh, yeah. And he does whatever the hell he wants. And a lot of times he messes with people just to see what happens. He doesn't even care if they – I mean, he might save you, he might not. He's the perfect, perfect chaos. He makes Loki seem sane. Loki is sane. He's just misunderstood. Could you imagine someone scene chewing with Maximus? Just this random chaos? It could have been so much fun. And Maximus's power is mind control. You can get away with anything. Maximus would be the best villain to use in any Marvel property because he doesn't take special effects. And he's hilarious. And he's nasty. But instead, they made him this whiny, pathetic, inhuman that doesn't have any powers. And he hates everyone because he's the only inhuman with nothing. They make him a small, measly, whiny little... It's, it's the worst portrayal of a villain I have ever seen done in a comic. And the comic adaption. And that includes all the Doctor Dooms that they ruined in Fantastic Four. That includes the Galactus Cloud. God, the Galactus Cloud. Oh, my God. What? Jesus criminy. Between the Galactus Cloud and... um, Oh, who was the villain in uh, Green Lantern that they went with? I, I see his name... Um, shit. I don't even remember who the actual villain. I remember going like, when are they going to let Sinestro be the villain? Okay, they developed him, but he never became the villain. Scott? Huh? You cut out there for a minute. Oh, you're saying I kept expecting Sinestro to become the villain. I don't think he ever actually became the villain. What what was um in the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern guy Parallax? That's it. Making Parallax the villain in that Green Lantern movie was a really bad call. I don't know why with that Green Lantern movie they couldn't have just done like what they did with the animated version where. If I was directing the Green Lantern film, this is this would be my take. I pretty much follow what the animated movie did. Um, it would be the Hal Jordan origin story, and you would see all these things happening. You wouldn't actually know who the bad guy is. 
you would put just some random bad guy in there, like you know, like maybe Starro or something like that, that the Green Lanterns have to fight. And in the back, and in the background, you see Sinestro, you know, doing his thing. Why is he always, you know, right there with Hal Jordan when you know, at, you know he he doesn't make any sense? And then at the very end, kind of like how they did with um, Doctor Strange, the very end you get the cutscene where Sinestro has the yellow power lantern and it's like, Oh, he is the bad guy. Like he set all of this up so he could find the yellow power. Like that would have been a way better green lantern film. Yep. They should have done that. They should have done that. Bad people, bad, bad people. Because I know a lot of people like to diss, even Ryan Reynolds disses that movie. And, you know, I can get past the CGI of everything because, in all honesty, I enjoyed that movie until they left Oa. And then they went back to Earth. And then there was that stupid parallax thing. And then I'm like, okay, now this movie sucks. Like, up until then, I actually enjoyed the movie. I forgive the movie because it gave me Kilowog. Everything that they did up in Oa, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I, li- I will watch that movie again and stop it there. Be like, okay, we stopped it there. Like, there's nothing yeah. else that happens after Oa. <laughs> like, the rest of the movie doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. As soon as it becomes Hot Wheels leading the way, the movie's done. Pretty much. Ah, so we are almost out of time, my friend. So um, before we go, because we actually went over the 8 o'clock and it's now 10 till 9. Um, <laughs> so before we go, where can people find out more about you and the works and uh, your projects that are coming up and your current works that you already have out? Um, you can find my stuff on Amazon. Just look at the name Scott Bachman, B-A-C-H-M-A-N-N. You can go to my website, scottcomics.com. And even after it changes over to corgipress.com, if you go to the website, it'll direct you where you're supposed to be going. So, scottcomics.com, and on the 27th, it'll be corgipress.com. And you're also on Facebook and Twitter. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Comixology, I'm in a bunch of places. But uh, actually, I'm debating about about merging all of those, too. We'll have to yeah, see. On Twitter, so, on, on Twitter, I'm Scott A. Bachman. B-A-C-H-M-A-N-N. Pretty easy. My name. It's spelled the just face- like how it sounds, guys. Just don't forget the second N at the back, on the end. Because a lot of people yeah. always leave out his second N. Yeah, I've, I've seen every spelling you could possibly imagine. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty so, much it. <laughs> So make sure you check him out. Go over, friend him over on Facebook, follow him on Twitter, um, go over to Scott Comics or on the 27th, head over to uh, Corgi Press. Check out his amazing works um, from our Supermom, the comic, to uh, Eat the Bunny Before the Bunny Eats You, His one of his little more innocent type books, to even one of his novels like To Thy Own Self Be True, which they're all fantastic. Um, you can also, if you have any troubles with any of that, you can head over to Amanda Gillen Presents over on the right-hand side of the screen since uh, Scott Bachman is one of our – shut up, R2-D2. Since uh, Scott Bachman is one of our sponsors here at EGP, you will see him over on the right-hand side. You can just click on the Scott Bachman picture there. 
and it'll take you directly to his links. And, of course, if you want to learn more about AGP, you can follow us on iTunes over here on TalkShoe. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. We are everywhere. Everything is Amanda Gimlin Presents except for the Twitter account, which is Amanda G Presents. And, again, for those of you who follow me personally, also make sure that you follow the actual the fan page as well, where you find out more information about all of us who work there from our gaming to our podcasting to the conventions that we'll be at. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, with great power comes great responsibility which is why none of us have any powers because we're not responsible enough to have them and we wish you all a wonderful night say good night scott good night scott <laughs> yeah lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.